0: The Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushival. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of October 25, 2015. First, a quick reminder that you can pre-register for the upcoming convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Pre-registration is $8 in advance, $10 at the door. Tickets for the Friday night Golden Goblet Anniversary Dinner and the Saturday night Jim Shaw 24-karat Banquet are $10 in advance, 15 at the door. The Saturday lunch is 5 in advance, 8 at the door. Room rates at the Ramada Inn North are $75 a night plus tax. For more information and to register, call KCB at 502-895-4598. Adam Rushable attended a meeting of the Charles McDowell... Advisory Board this past Thursday, October 22. Kirsten Schmidt and Mary Harrod from the Center gave a presentation on the boot camp program offered by the Center, where consumers are taught to participate more fully in the job-seeking process and to be less dependent on their counselors. The Center has offered two such boot camps in the last fiscal year, and they've been fairly successful. We bring you the presentation from the advisory board meeting on page 2. On page 3, you'll find a collection of easy crockpot ideas that were shared at the recipe exchange this past Friday as part of the Greater Lovell Council of the Blind Roundabout. Main dishes, a pasta dish, and even a dessert will make you want to pull your crockpot out and get cooking. The theme of this year's KCB convention is KCB, 50 Golden Years, and as part of our 50th anniversary celebration, we're bringing you historical segments from the past. On page 4, you'll hear part of an article retrieved from a partially erased tape from 1987, the reader is Ethel Davis, now Ethel Melton, and the article is about Imogene Daly of Louisville, who was then first vice president of KCB and who was a very hard worker and active in our adult education program. And on page five is the Sound Prince calendar. Page two.
1: Let me let me kind of step back and punt for a second. The boot camp started from Dr. Wolf. Um, we had her come out and talk to us several years ago, and the agency leadership wanted us to, to kind of change some things here and do some things that were different. And so we worked, well, Dr. Wolf worked with some of the group, gosh, for several years on changing classes when they, when we, we had phases. You know, when we were going to change the schedule and we were going to change the classes and move things around and do phases. And so I came in on the third phase, which was the boot camp. So we worked with Dr. Wolf uh, for about a year. She has developed a program called Pre-Employability Skills Training. We took that and made it into our own. We still use the same 15 modules that she uses, but we call ours Employment Boot Camp as opposed to Pre-Employability Skills Training. We are not getting them jobs. We are teaching them how to find their own job. I want everybody to understand that because I think in the beginning it got a little skewed and they thought we were finding people jobs because a lot of the people that were in the program were from Louisville. And Jenny is here, and Jenny has a lot of contacts. And so she was able to you know, get people together in line with things. So of our 10 people in the first group, six are working. And Dr. Wolf had said the success rate was have them all working in 18 months. And we had six before even a year. So we felt pretty good about that. Um, we did a lot of preparation. We did a year of preparation with Dr. Wolf. She came in town, and we worked for days on end. You know. She, her program was based in English. It was England. She, all her words were English words and England terminology. So we had to go in and we had to assign people to do different modules and we had to change those. So there was a lot of prep work to get that done. Um, but when we did start it, it uh, and we learned from it, you know, there was some things that we changed. Um, we had a small boot camp group because we didn't want to bring everybody in at once because it was too hard to teach everybody everything. So we had a small team of boot campers, (laughs) staff, that kind of, you know, several of us did several modules. Well, what we found out was um, we didn't have, because you have to write a report for the counselor at the end, we didn't have mentors ahead of time. We had mentors kind of halfway through the program. And so it, it didn't work well. So we figured on the second time in April, we would assign a mentor in the building to every boot camper. That way... When they had an assignment due, the assignment went straight to their mentor. Instead of me taking all the assignments and having a 1,000 pieces of paper and trying to keep it all straight, they did all their assignments and sent it to their mentor. If they had any any questions, any issues, wanted to talk, they went to their mentor. Their mentor, at the end, wrote the report to the counselor. The mentor, at the end, met with the counselor and the consumer and went over the action plan. When they leave boot camp, there is an action plan step by step by step what you're going to do to get your job and so then the mentor keeps up with them and follows up each month are you following your action plan are you following your steps do we need to make changes to keep that momentum going the rehab center as it is now they leave and we don't know what happens to them boot camp there's a follow up program they all, we also have a monthly speaker monthly speaker Gary Mudd came and spoke in December. One of our consumers got a job out of Gary Mudd telling us there was a position available. Yay. You know what? So those kind of things work great. We had Tracy Frazier from the um, district attorney's office. She's an attorney with the DUI unit. We, um, we've had Mary, Mary Jo um, Hackworth. We've had Tanya. We've had Kenny Jones. We've Hi, had I'm Sandra. Talking. We've had um, Deanna Scoggins. So we want them to talk about their path to employment, and the struggles and things they've overcome, and how they overcomes overcame some of those obstacles, and then other parts of their life. You know what, how they became a, a, a contributing citizen to the community. Because there's more to be a citizen than just working. There's more to it than that. So we do. They have. They have to attend those meetings. They either have to attend via phone or they have to attend being here. That is a part of being a part of the boot camp. And if they don't, then they are out. We do not keep them and there's just we just don't play in this boot camp. You know, it's very, very different than the center. There's expectations and they have to be followed. You miss half a day, you've missed a ton of work because there's 15 modules and every single day is one module, 15 days. You have gotta follow and you gotta be there. So we have high expectations. They have to treat it as they're going to employment. They fill out a time card, time sheet has to be turned in. There is no phones going off. There's no games. There's no anything extra except paper and pencil, computer, braille and speak, whatever it is they're using. There's nothing extra going on. Um, they have to come back from breaks on time. We take notes if they don't. It's very much simulating work. Um, the second group, that was the first group in October 14. The second group came in in April of 15, and we only had six. six. And of those six, we have two working. Um, one of them... So three of them are interviewing right now, actively interviewing. And one of them I feel like will have a job pretty soon. Um, Then we have the next boot camp, November 2nd. When we looked at this, how it all came to be is the management just wanted it done. So it just happened to be that October was when we did it. It was very difficult because the counselors are closing out their cases in October. September 30th, they got to close things out. So they're not thinking, oh, I'm, they're thinking close out. They're not thinking, oh, I got to refer somebody to a program. So we like had to beg, borrow, and steal to get the 10 we got, and then the second time to get the six we got, and now we're begging for more. We have four. So we really feel like we're going to have to move this back every year to November to give them time to do their close out and then look at their caseload and see who they have available. But we want it to be something that's in their minds that they know it's going to happen every November and every May and it's in their back of their mind so they're always thinking. Um, we did make the changes that we made where we, we assigned the mentors in the beginning, we brought up the action plan on day 3 as opposed to day 8, 10, 12. We brought it up on day 3 when Jenny talks because we found the first group didn't understand the whole action plan thing. It took a, it took several days to get that through to them. You bring it up in action and you bring think- it up in 3 and I think
2: Adam and Teresa actually were up there when, when people were trying to get a
1: handle on the action plan. I think that's the day I might have brought them up. Mm-hmm.
3: And they, were might
1: have been. Them. they might have been. So we changed it and brought it up in day three. We, um, we didn't have them print out their assignments. They emailed it all to their own mentor. All that made a huge, huge help and change. Um, so right now we only have four for November, and you really need to have six. You know, you need to be able to break them up in groups. You need to have participation. You can't just have one person sitting there never responding, never saying anything. So it helps to have six. We would like to have eight every single time. If I could have eight every single time, I'd be happy. Um, How many tr- weeks is it? It's weeks? three weeks.
3: Three.
1: It's 15 days, 15 modules. And oh, the other thing that happened, it just kind of happened the first boot camp, is the job fair, the oh. disability and veterans job fair fell right in the middle, like on the 21st of the first month. And it was perfect because it just kind of flowed what we were doing. And we just took a half day, I think it was Steve's day, and he didn't feel like he needed the whole day to teach. So he broke his day up and we took them to the job fair. And number one, it was exposure. They've never had, (coughs) never walked around and handed a resume. Never never held their hand out and said, I am so-and-so and shook a hand. So that was all really good. Um, one girl got a job that day, and she was hired and before we even finished boot camp, and she was hired by a company that day. So um, that was wonderful. The second one, we um, did not have a job fair. I don't no. think a job fair fell, mm-hmm. but we found um, some job fairs that have come up, and we've taken some people. We've, we've put out the email and say, you want to go, and we'll, we'll go. We'd like the boot camp to fall every single time. That'd be great, but it doesn't always happen like that. And then transition, you know, with the new EOA. I'm sure y'all have heard about the new IOA Act. Um, we have to start working with transition students, juniors and seniors. And so we rushed after doing boot camp in April and rushed and got a transition done for July, the whole month of July. And we were, I mean, it was like blazing guns <laughs> trying to get it done. But we did. And um, OVR didn't even get anything done. And they, I met um, one of the managers of Middletown yesterday, and she was so impressed that we were able to get that up and running so quickly but boot can't help to do transition because dr wolf also wrote a program for transition students aph sells both of them and we bought it and um it's it's a lot more loose than the uh, than the adult one because it's based on working with students from three weeks to a year so you can drag things out you can make them quicker there's like 36 modules as opposed to 15 and so, and then a lot of our staff that did not work with the boot camp, we pulled them in for transition. So it was like, hurry, 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 let's get this done, you know, and, and, and the guidelines weren't as good with the, with the student one. So a lot of people were, you know, really feeling like they were up in the air with it and didn't understand it. So we tried to match, well, we did match the veteran teachers that had already done boot camp twice with the people that had never taught before. But we wanted to include them and get them involved. And so um, I think they really liked it, and if they felt insecure, they let the lead teacher take over. Um, That will be something, again, that we will do every year. So there's three new programs that we will have every single year. Two new programs that we will have every single year, but boot camp will be twice, and transition will be once. Transition is basically awareness to employment. It's exposure to employment. You have kids that um, don't see people working. If they're totally blind, they don't see it. They don't observe people working in a restaurant. They don't observe someone in a retail store like I do, like I did as a kid. So, and they don't have, and they don't talk about it at the School for the Blind. They're trying to make it better now and do more, but it's exposure to in, and employment. If you wait till somebody leaves high school, I mean, we're behind the eight ball, really behind the eight ball. So we want to give them exposure. They're not going to get a job. That's not what we're there for. We're there to explain what the soft skills are and what work is all about and how to do a resume and how to look up a job, do a job analysis on the um, computer. You know, if I want to be an airplane pilot and I'm totally blind, you know what, hey, that might not work. You know, I want to look at the job tasks. That's not going to work. Or if I want to be something down in eastern Kentucky and that job doesn't exist there, me telling them is not going to change their mind. But if they do the work themselves, they say, oh, there isn't anything down here. I either A, have to change my career goal or B, move. So they, they tend to accept what they research on their own better than what we tell them, And that's fine. There's
4: nothing wrong with that.
1: So we're there to um, support, guide, lead, do whatever we need to do to give them some exposure and, um, to employment. So and they were real good students. They were. They were on it. They were very well behaved. We were really yeah. shocked because KSB had come over and done... Um, an orientation with us because we're not used to working with kiddos, we're used to working with adults. And they were like scaring us to death that it was going to be loud and obnoxious and running up and down the halls. And I mean, they were so, they were more respectful than our adults. We were like, can we keep these people instead of the adults? And so, um... Nice. They, were, mm-hmm. they were very nice.
5: They were very
6: grateful really. for
1: what we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And I mean, the, it,
2: the kids were... It was a welcome break. I think mm-hmm. the staff... To get the and the
1: kids out. were all over. You know, you had one that got a 34 on his ACT and then one that was cognitively impaired that would be probably a greeter at a Walmart. So, But that was okay. They all worked really, really well together, and they were respectful of each other. Okay. You know, there was some the awareness that Mary was talking about. We wanted to let them know that your values that you have affect, affect jobs and decisions that you have, and they didn't realize that. So we give them a really, really good exercise called the bomb shelter activity. And for any of you all that work with groups, it's an excellent activity. You give them a list of people and their abilities and their um, disabilities and issues that they have, and you say, okay, there's 15 people, and there's a a bomb shelter available for nine. Who are you gonna take into this bomb shelter? And it really, really makes them work together, and even though they have different values of who they think should be in that bomb shelter. So that we use for boot camp and transition because we think it's really important and they love it. So that's kind of everything in a nutshell. Do you have any questions?
3: Where does
0: Moorhead fit in under the transition?
1: Yeah, Insight just a whole nother transition program. Yeah, Now okay. um, yeah, we did have a student com- that was in transition that mm-hmm. came that went to the Insight program and then also came to our transition program. He did both, and that and he did transition Insight twice. So that was okay. He was very, they had warned us that he wasn't very well behaved, but he was very well behaved for ours. Uh You could tell there was some maturity there. So they can do both. You know, we have to spend X amount of dollars on transition (coughs) students. So we'll probably have more than just Insight and in our transition month. We'll probably have more because, you know, there's a lot of money that has to be spent on them. So, yes, we will continue the Insight for sure.
6: In in Insight, the way to think of our program, um, our Insight is a little bit more focused on going to school directly. And our program is good for those students that don't choose to go to school directly. So their choice is to go to work right away. Not to say that ones who are choosing to go to school isn't a good candidate for our program, but we're gearing right towards those work Mm -hmm. development skills and the blindness skills that they need to go with work. So that's kind of a little bit of a difference, too, between them. But both of them are still going to be going on.
1: Because there's a lot of kids that fall through the track cracks, you know, the kids that are, um, are going to go to supported employment and need that help, and then you've got your kids going to college, then you've got the kids in the middle that kind of fall through the cracks. So that's who we're trying to reach. But like Mary said, we'll take kids that go to Insight as well, because they may go to Insight and say, whoa, college is not for me, mm-hmm. and then they're, they're very welcome to come to us.
7: I have a question, and you might n- not have the numbers here mm-hmm.
4: in this room, but mm-hmm. I was trying to explain to Randall, the WIOA, he's new to the SRC. Mm-hmm. and um, the, the budget mm-hmm. for
1: overall SRC and then Answer. what they're saying Answer. has mm-hmm. to be spent on transition age. Fifteen percent. Okay. Mary and I went to a special um, transition WIOA team meeting to try to come up with Some ideas how to spend this money. Because it's just this absorbent amount of money. And, um, and we just don't know how we're going to do it. We're not a big enough organization. There's not enough of us to do all this. And so there, the, the law came out, and then there was you could give feedback. And all the agencies yeah. gave their feedback. When, when it first came out, Jenny, Tyree, and I couldn't understand because we were like, okay, is it the Office for the Blind budget or is it the Office for the Blind and Book Rehab budget, you know, the big budget? Is it a 15% mm-hmm. of the big budget, or is it 15% of Office for the Blind? In our Insight program, how many did they have this year, did she say? Did Janelle say? Do you remember how did many they have? 11, I thought she said. Huh? 11, I thought yeah, 11. like when I was dealing with, with Insight years ago, they would have 22 and 23. It's gone downhill. And I don't know if it's the kids don't want to stay there in the summer because they've had school all year long, and they want to have their time off mm-hmm. and have their play time or whatever, and parents don't make them go. But it's gone down. It's not the the not gone down in the program, but the enrollment has gone down. So it's it's there's nothing carved in stone. You know we're just we're just trying to see what works and what doesn't work.
7: What kind of diversity did you have for uh, mm-hmm. de- demographics mm-hmm. around the state? And mm-hmm. um, we had all boys. of vision and we had families. all boys
1: and one girl. We had... Um, you had all boys and one girl? Right? Mm-hmm. Yes.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: All, well, five boys and one girl. We were a little worried about that, but she did fine. She held her own. Um, she was totally blind. The rest of them had some sight. It was varying. Um, um, but we did
6: have one. T- we had all the way from very high-functioning vision mm-hmm. to toe blindness, and there was everything in between. I would think. And cognitive
1: d- differences. Mm-hmm. Let's see, where were they all from? One was from Highland Heights. That's where she was from. Um, was one from Louisville, one from uh, Mount Washington. One from Lexington. Lexington, yeah. Hardin County. So, so not cool. too far out. Eastern Little
6: Kentucky, bit. Even. yeah.
1: Was East there North one North from Eastern, Eastern East. Kentucky? Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. That one was. So we, we want to get the word out there as much as we can. And, you know, so if you know of meetings that we could go to. Thank you
8: all. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louie database http://louis.aph.org. Slash slash dot dot Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. http://louis.aph.org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's Minibook Braille Binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 3.
0: Okay, we're about ready to begin our recipe exchange. Boy, I want to thank everybody for coming today. Do we have a crowd? My goodness. I wonder if anybody plans to come today. We're going to have, we're going to talk about easy crock-pot recipes today. Okay, so let's start. Crock-pot recipes. Who would like to begin? Don't be shy. Who wants to start?
9: I didn't bring a recipe sure. right in the mic. Okay, Bill Dancer is going to be the mic runner. And Adam is recording,
0: so of course, we know. He
9: records all the time. Uh-oh. When you cook in the crock pot, cream of anything soup is your friend. And you can, yesterday I put carrots. I just scrubbed my carrots real quick and clean and left the skins on them. And, they were, and I put those in the crock pot in small I put them in small pieces, they were like, oh, two inches long, I didn't want them huge. And then I um, put in some small potatoes and put a roast on top, it was a pork roast. I thought I had a beef roast and it turned out it was a pork roast, but that was okay. Anyway, I dumped in a can of mushroom soup. So here we have carrots, potatoes, mushroom soup, and a chopped onion. And I added about a a third of a can of water to that put the lid on the crock pot, put it on low and let it cook all day from like eight in the morning till about five in the evening. So we're talking nine hours. And it was delicious. I mean, that meat fell apart. It was so good. And the carrots were done all the way through. And Oh, it was just really yummy. So that's just a real easy thing you can do. Put in some meat, some potatoes, and carrots, and onion, and cream of something soup. Uh,
0: yeah. Yes. I didn't think you needed to put that much liquid in with a crock pot. Did you always
9: add extra water like that? Yes. I did this time. I, I, I wanted it to be more like gravy, but, you know, a thin gravy. But if you want, don't add the water, you can just you can just put in
10: a, a can of soup, and you're fine. I forgot to look at the recipe or last night and write it down, and Bill couldn't find it. But we have a ham and potato casserole that we've done, and that's really good, and it's easy. It's about four to five potatoes, I think, isn't it, Bill? Mm-hmm. And I get that um, package, the uh, pre-cooked ham, the little uh, ham, uh, not the r- real tiny ones, but the I think they're called that, ham pieces.
3: That I'll give you the rest of the recipe. You peel about, peel and slice about uh, four potatoes. One thing I love about the crock pot that you don't have to be exact with it. And put those in the crock pot. I used to take uh, some can of cream of mushroom soup, put about a third of a cup of uh, milk with it, mix that up real good, pour that over the potatoes. And then it's the ham chunks Sometimes I'll just dump the whole pack in there. It's a small pack that you can get. Just dump the whole pack in there. Like
5: meat ham? No, no, no. Little chunks. No, they're
3: chunks of ham. You can get
5: them in a package.
3: Yeah, they're a package. Ham. No, ham chunks. And put those in, and then a cup of uh, cheddar cheese. Pour that over the top of that. Put it in the crock pot, and uh, you put it on low and let it go all afternoon. And when you're finished, it's going to be great.
2: Yeah. We used to make this spaghetti sauce. Now, I know you can buy prego, but sometimes um, that's not enough. So I make, when I have a large thing of spaghetti to make, I do it this way. I brown and drain two pounds of ground beef and put that in the crock pot. And I add to that one large can and two small cans of tomato soup. One large can and two small cans of tomato sauce. A tablespoon of Italian seasoning, sometimes I add more, but it's just according to, I just taste it. And a pinch, and it really isn't much, of cayenne pepper. It's a very, very tiny pinch, and I cook that for six hours, and uh, we used to make that a lot. Um, don't make it as much anymore because Prego got better, But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but but that's a good homemade recipe. Anybody else?
5: I have pork
3: and sauerkraut. Oh. Ooh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't go anyplace ever. <laughs> uh. well,
10: Talking about a good way to speak
5: of our crackpot.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it is good. I agree. Donna,
5: yeah. here you go. I use uh, six. Uh, Butterfly pork chops, these real lean pork chops. Two uh, regular sized cans of sauerkraut, or maybe one large one. And um, just uh, cook it for five or six hours, or till it smells done. Oh, I, I also put, I put the, uh, I, I add. Um, like two cans of water, just fill the sauerkraut up. Uh, just fill the cans up with water. And another thing that I'm gonna try, but I haven't tried it yet. I just keep forgetting to do this. But I'm gonna put a can of sauerkraut juice instead of the water one day to have have it even even more sauerkrauty. And you can you can. Um, what I do is I have that with with uh, with mashed potatoes. Uh, I either get some of the those country crock mashed potatoes, and the, um, in the you know, pr- uh, frozen uh, mashed potatoes, or either use instant mashed potatoes, and just, and you can put the put all that over the top of the mashed potatoes, and kind of make a one-dish meal. After you get the sauerkraut and pork out of the crock pot, just put it over the mashed potatoes, or you can you can use uh, you can put this recipe over the top of just heat up some tater tots and. Put it over top of there. You can just eat it separately from the potatoes, and it's really, really good. That that's a really great meal if you like sauerkraut, which a lot of people don't.
9: You could cut an apple up and put in there while it's cooking, and and that'll take some of the sourness away, make it taste a little sweeter.
1: Where's
2: somebody, I'm sorry, who's that, Mary? Mary, yeah. you uh, and Mary both. Uh, I do a roast beef in the crock pot. First, I put my onions. Cut one onion up. I cut one pepper up. I um, also uh, put the carrots in it, and also put the sweet potatoes in it. Then, <laughs> uh, trying to think what else. And then I put about a pound and a half of roast beef in the crock pot. They say if you put your vegetables on the bottom, that they will cook better, and the meat be on top. And then I. Um, Put the water, make sure the water is covered all the way up to the top over the meat, and then I put minced onions in it, and I put ground um, garlic sauce in it, I put meat tenderizer in it, and and I cook it all day long. At the end of the day, it's all done, and it's real tender and delicious. All right. I have one that I do. Other people may do it probably, but... This may be cheaper than going out and buying barbecue, I guess. What I do is either take a beef roast or I guess it could be a pork roast and just cook it in the crock pot. I don't know how many pounds I get. It's a pretty big roast because I like leftovers. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And then I cover it with, with water, put quite a bit of water in there and I turn it on low. Well, they say, low you let cook for 12 hours. Or if I'm not home and want to cook it uh, while I'm at work, I just put it on high and then I'll make six hours. And then when it's done, I take it out of the water, let it cool, and then shred it up like you would your barbecue. And then I take a bottle of either craft barbecue sauce. It could be hickory smoked or it could be um, honey barbecue and I make. Uh, use a not sure how many ounces but it's just like a your size yeah your standard size bottle of barbecue sauce and I use the whole bottle and then I mix all that up together and then I just put it in a bowl and put the lid on and then when I get ready, I just make a sandwich and heat it up in the microwave and it's done.
10: Okay, Amanda's uh, joined us now. She has a recipe.
7: I have a recipe for a chicken parmesan pasta bake that you can make in the crock pot or slow cooker. I'm sorry. So what you do is you start with your favorite kind of pasta. And my favorite pasta to make with um, this dish is a penne. Um, pasta you can use uh, whole wheat or regular pasta it tastes just as good and um, what you want to do is you want to add if you use one cup of pasta you want to add one cup of water so in other words your water to pasta ratio is one to one and if you want to use a little bit more flavor in there you can add chicken stock or um, so I put that in there, and then I layer um, the boneless, frozen, boneless, skinless chicken breast. Now those are the ones that come; they're not breaded. They're just frozen, and you can you can buy like a five-pound bag for maybe nine or ten dollars at the store. And so you layer as many as you want in there. Usually, what I do with um, for if it's just me and, and Matt, what I usually do is I put about one cup of pasta, because you have to, pasta multiplies as it cooks. So one cup of pasta, and I usually use about four uh, chicken tenders in there. That's usually two, ser- two big, big servings. On top of that, I add about um, a cup of uh, marinara sauce, or you can use alfredo. Um, I like to use the ragu sauces, because they have a bunch of different flavors. We've used the tomato basil, we've used the six cheese, we've also, the six cheese marinara, and we've also used the traditional. Um, so you pour that over top, and then you let it cook on low for eight hours, all day. And then the last, I'll or, or probably really just say, when you get home and you turn, it, you turn it off low or keep it on warm or whatever you do, sprinkle some mozzarella and Parmesan cheese on top. Now there's a couple and then you're done you just serve it whenever the cheese is going to cheese just needs to melt about 10 or 15 minutes and then you can spike this recipe up a little bit you can use instead of chicken you can put some uh for a shorter amount of time you cook some italian sausage um and put in there instead of chicken and you can put pepperonis in there and make like a pizza pasta bake for that you would only need about Two, two, four hours on low, two hours on high. So, as long as your pasta is cooked, you just want to make sure that when you get done cooking either dish that you stir things and make sure your pasta feels al dente, which means done. And that uh, it's to your satisfaction. Serve it with garlic, bread, and salad, and you're done. Do you thaw out your chicken before you put it in the crock pot? Um, no, frozen, because it's it does not, I mean, the rule I've learned about slow cooking is it all cooks at the same time. I, I mean, now, if you want to make it, if, let, let, let's say you have company coming over in about four hours. Um, yes, go ahead and fall it out. It takes about 20 minutes to all those things out in hot water and then put it, on, um, put it on high for about three hours and then it'll be done just the same. tastes like you've been cooking it all day.
5: Question about I always
7: heard you couldn't cook pasta in a, a crock pot. You, yes, Donna. What you need to, the thing you the rule when you cook pasta in a slow cooker is to make sure that however much pasta you put in there, you add equal amounts of water, right? Okay, that's that's the only rule. You can make mac and cheese in a slow cooker. Ooh, I want it. You want to, yeah, you want to, okay, okay, mac and cheese. Okay, here we go. Now I make my, I make mac and cheese in a big in big bulks, so I usually make about a um, double the recipe, and um, four cups of elbow macaroni. Now, what you want to now, and then add, you add butter in there as well. I'm sorry, I, I forgot my rule here. It's um, four cups of pasta, two cups of chicken stock. Uh, one cup of milk and one cup of heavy cream okay so that's four cups of liquid right there that's what's going to make your mac and cheese really creamy then salt pepper butter add a little bit of garlic in there or if you have like some chicken bouillon cubes or if you have some um, poultry seasoning, you can add that in there um I'll throw this in there for Joey here in just a second. So you let that cook, you let that cook on, um, let's see, yeah, let that cook on, you have to check, the thing with this, you have to check it. So I will let it cook on low for four hours with that much pasta in there. Then what you're going to do when your pasta is cooked to your satisfaction and it feels soft and it feels done, you're going to add your, you're going to make it, add your cheese in there. You might want to add a little bit more milk and cream in there and make it creamy. But I'm gonna throw this in there for Joey. When you add your cheese in there, add some hot sauce in there.
0: No. <laughs> in all right, all right, y'all wanna
7: know what, all right, so here, here's, here's what I do. When I'm entertaining and I have a lot of guests to feed, I add, I just do the cheese in there, like cheddar or Velveeta, whatever kind of cheese you want in there. If you wanna get fancy, add your Gruyere and your, um, and your provolones and all that. But when I'm entertaining, what I do is I make a mac and cheese bar. So I have all this in the in the slow cooker. I have the mac and cheese itself in the slow cooker, and I cut up some toppings like bacon, jalapenos, and some extra shed- shredded cheddar cheese. And I even have the hot sauce sitting out there. Sometimes some green onions. Sometimes people like this is a weird one. Someone asked me if I had any barbecue chips. Sounds good. Oh. know. I don't know. Someone asked me, someone asked me, they said, do you have any barbecue chips I can crumble on top of it? I said, yeah. Um, Matt likes, and then Matt one time got me to uh, put some of those Italian meatballs in the, in the oven. So there's several different ways you can spike up your mac and cheese. You can do the same thing. I mean, it's an easy entertaining kind of a thing but if you're uh, let's see what else have oh, I've chopped up roasted red peppers um, summer sausage sometimes some ham I'm sorry if I'm making everybody hungry yeah.
10: <laughs> I've got um, a little sim- a little simpler way but that yours sounds good too a mac and cheese that we've we've done we've done um, two cups of macaroni, the elbow macaroni, like she said, a can of cheddar cheese soup, an eight-ounce can, or eight-ounce container of sour cream, and um, a pack of... We've either done the whole pack of... It calls for, I think, a cup or two of cheese, but we've done... We've sometimes mixed Velveeta and cheddar together. Sometimes we've just done the eight-ounce pack of Cheddar cheese, and we dump everything in at the same time, and let it cook for about two hours. And yeah, we cook our macaroni on of the on, the, yeah, on top of the stove before uh, before okay, we put it in there. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else?
2: Hey Carla, is there a way I can get some of these? And <laughs> right. yeah. me as well. It may appear on sound
1: prints next week. Oh no. Yeah, I was going to say that might be me.
0: There's another one. We've done a lot with roasts and things, and I think that's because, you know, you often are doing meats in there because you're not home and stuff all day. But one really easy thing that you can do with a pork roast is um, just put either a whole or a part, uh, half pork roast in your crock pot, depending on how big it is, and put um, a jar, uh, like about a 10-ounce jar of apple butter over the over the pork rust, yeah and you really don't even have to add water with it if you want to add a teeny tiny tad you can but i think it's really better without because then it comes out the apple butter is nice and thick and if you want to add a little cinnamon um to it there's cinnamon in the brown in the apple butter already but a little bit more a lot of cinnamon never hurts anything so you can stir that in and it you know just just until it's there until it's done um, about three or four hours, depending on how big your pork roast is, on high. Or if you're going to be gone all day, just set it on low, and when you come back, it'll be done. Oh, and it yeah, is yummy. <laughs> yeah, you can add apples. But if you're lazy or you just don't, you know, you don't have much time, just slap that roast in there in the in, in the morning and pour that jar of apple butter in, and you're ready to go. Does
9: anybody
7: have any pot dessert recipes? I do. Mm-hmm.
0: Amanda, you want to share a dessert? Um, I, yeah. Take that girl. What's it from. called
7: first? Um, yeah,
0: what's it? What it? Uh, fair tell fair us what it's called, time. and then we'll decide how quickly we want to get you. <laughs> I have a
7: cobbler. I have oh, a cobbler.
0: It's not like a sauerkraut souffle, souffle or anything. No, no,
7: I'm no, no, no. I'm just writing this. Down. I, I don't. I don't make, make souffles. I'm not that fancy yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat souffles. So. Okay, this no, one's no, really, really easy. No, all you no, need no, is no, um. You need uh, a can of pie filling, and you need a prepared cake mix. So, um, let's see, the last one I made was was, I took a yellow cake mix, and I mixed it in with some cherry pie filling and you stick it in the um, crock pot for about four hours on low and you have like a berry crumble cobbler thing. Now, if you want to make it more crunchy, you can add some oatmeal and some nuts in there.
0: Well, these have all been great recipes. Another thing we can do with these is we can create a section on the um, Louisville pages on our new website for our recipes. There's gonna be a roundabout section on there and this can be part of it. We can have our little cooking section. So, and what we might could do, we can think about it, is we could um, create the, the audio and have that be downloadable. Um, it would take longer to transcribe uh, all of them, but the audio could be there. And then you could download it and uh, copy if you want. Page four.
4: KCB Newsflash, Winter Edition, 1987, Getting to Know You, continued. By August 1978, she had her GED certificate she earned through KCB Adult Education Programs. Those classes opened up a whole new world to me, she said. They not only helped me to complete my high school education, but gave me new confidence in myself. Imogene remembers her first glimpse of KCB. I was terrified. The room was full of all these people I didn't know who didn't know me. They were all so friendly and made me feel welcome. Imogene now teaches classes in daily living skill development at the KCB Center. The class helps other attain and maintain confidence in themselves and their abilities. She is a student in the KCB ceramics class, chairman of the entertainment committee and first vice president of the council. I'm a June married Don Daly in 1980, and in August 1982, Jessica Lynn was born. Surely no child has ever brought more smiles and sunshine to all who know her. Her family is very important to her. She says, I could not do all the things I do for and with KCB without the support of my husband and my children. Imogene and Don prepare some great dinners for KCB. Approximately one Friday each month, we'll find them busy cooking up chili, spaghetti, bean soup, or some other hearty meal at the KCB Center. Thanks, Imogene and Dawn, for just being you. We are glad you found us.
3: I just love counting. 25, 000, Thirty thousand. if I had my way. What's this? What's this? Isn't it a bit early for this?
5: It's the most wonderful time of the year.
6: It's not too early, especially if you plan to contribute to the fourth annual ACB Radio holiday auction.
3: Well, then, I I suppose you have plans telling them how they might contribute.
6: Well, yeah, mister, we sure do. So come on, get busy. The deadline for contributing auction items is fast approaching. We need to know about your item by October 15th and receive all non-perishable items in our Minneapolis office by November 1st. All donors will be positively recognized in a myriad of wonderful ways, so come on, get busy, mister. I
3: I suppose you could give me the details, but I make no promises.
6: About donating items, contact the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242.
3: I just love Muffins with prickly pear jelly inside, and other treats. Can I have them?
6: Of course you'll have to buy them, mister.
3: I never. (laughs) Just, when is this auction?
6: Sunday, December 6th. Much more about that soon. Now, uh, mister, would you happen to be Ebenezer Scrooge?
3: Am I who? (laughs) Bah. Humbug. What do you think?
0: Page 5. The Sound Prince Calendar On October 28, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its open house and 40th anniversary celebration. From 12 to 6 p.m., lunch is 12 to 1, at the Bluegrass Council Community Room, 1093 South Broadway, Suite 1230 in Lexington. Call 859-259-1834 for information. On October 30, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have a roundabout. 3.30 to 6 will be Education and Technology. 6.15 to 7 is Dinner, $5 per person. And 7 to 10 is Games and Crafts. All at the United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 State Street in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for details. October 31, KCB Next Generation will have a Halloween party. If you're visually impaired and under 40, you'll want to come dressed in a costume or just come as you are. It's from 4 to 10 p.m. at 3803 Yardley Court, Unit 4 in Louisville. Call Amanda Selm at 502-750-1774 or email Amanda at alsmoot.com. O O 7 at gmail.com November 5 is the next ACB Lions conference call. It's a monthly meeting of blind lions from around the country. Call 712- 432-3900 and enter code 796 On November 6 is another Greater Louisville Roundabout. The same schedule as before at United Crescent Hill Ministries 150 State Street in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for information and to sign up. November 7 is Reclaiming the Dream, the story of rehabilitation for blinded veterans, 1 to 3 p.m. Explore the birth of modern rehabilitation and orientation and mobility. View a screening of the classic 1953 documentary, The Long Cane, and listen to personal stories of VA program graduates. Free to the public, but space is limited. So register by calling the American Printing House for the Blind Museum at 502-899-2213. APH is located at 1839 Frankfort Avenue in Louisville. November 9 is the next Bluegrass Council Community Outing from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Call Bluegrass at 859-259-1834 for more information. On November 10, the Support Alliance for the Visually Impaired, Savvy, will have its next meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Gay Panel Independent Living Administrator of the Kentucky Office for the Blind in Bowling Green will be the speaker. It's at Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. On November 12th, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its next conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. On November 13 and 14th is the Kentucky Council of the Blind State Convention. Workshops, programs, exhibits, food, and friends. Sponsored by the Kentucky Council of the Blind at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Room rates are $75 a night plus tax. Convention registration is $33 in advance for all meals, workshops, programs, and it's $48 at the door. You can also Purchase individual tickets for specific activities. For more information, call 502-895-4598. Also on November 13 and 14 is the annual Family Conference, sponsored by the Kentucky School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Preschool Services, VIPS. It's on the KSB campus at 1867 Frankfort Avenue in Louisville. Call Martha Hack at VIPS 502-498-2926 for more information. On November 19, the Kentucky School for the Blind will hold its fall concert from 6 to 7.30 p.m. in the Ritchie Auditorium on the campus of the school. Call 502-897-1583 for more information. November 20 is the Braille and Low Vision Carnival, 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at KSB. It's activities for elementary students from around Kentucky held on the KSB campus. 502-897-1583 for more information. November twenty will be a greater Louisville roundabout. This will be education and technology from three hundred thirty to six, dinner six hundred fifteen to seven five dollars per person. And games and crafts from seven to ten. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call five oh two eight nine five four five nine eight for details. November 22 is the next ACB Families Meeting. This is a uh, business meeting and is at 9 p.m. by telephone on the conference line at 605-475-6333. Enter code 1711553. On November 23, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will hold its membership call at 7 p.m. on the conference line at 605 605- 475 Enter code 294444 November 28th is Family Day Open House from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind. This is sponsored by the museum and it is open to all ages. The phone number to sign up is 502-899-2213. On November 29th, will be the next meeting of the KSB Alumni Board. The phone number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. The meeting is at 8 p.m. On November 30 is the next KCB board meeting. It is also at 8 p.m. on the same conference call number. In December, a couple of dates that you'll want to mark down. December 5 is the Holiday Card Factory, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the APH Museum. This is a great chance to craft your own tactile ornament or make unique holiday cards. It's free, but space is limited. So call them at 502-899-2213 to sign up. That same day in the evening is the Council Christmas Party in Louisville. It's from 5 to 9 p.m. There'll be dinner, games, caroling, kids' activities, and Santa. $5 per person at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 502-895-4598 to sign up. On December 6th is the 4th annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction. It's from 7 to 11 p.m. live on ACB Radio. Visit the auction preview pages on the ACB website at www.acb.org. And on December 12th is the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind Christmas Party at Remus Diner, 635 Madison Avenue in Covington. More details coming soon. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598